Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this Circles and Squares a PlayStation podcast. And we're past the first episode now, Kate. This is number two. Um, we're back. We're professional podcasters now. That's right. You could you could call us veterans at this point. <clears throat> Industry <laughs> veterans, of course. That's right. Have you yet watched The Platform? Oh, I haven't. You know, what's funny is I almost watched it last night, but it was just by the time we were ready to watch and we dicked around deciding what to do, it was just a little too late. It gets for too it. late. Because I'll tell you something, everyone, everyone right now is, is on a lot of Netflix, right? Because it's the, you know, the isolation, yeah. everyone's staying home and everyone's binging Tiger King. <clears throat> and let me say... <laughs> Once you're done with Tiger King, or if you want to just make a better choice, go watch the platform. It's a really deeply disturbing and disgusting um, kind of horror movie about what would you do if you were starving and had no option but to like starve or do some really gross um, things. I'll leave it at that, but definitely check it out. Worth right. your time. So um, be excited, but don't make any popcorn ahead of time. That's right. Yeah, you may, you may not want to eat something while you watch, but I fully recommend that one. Check it out. But that's not what we're talking about today. Of course, this is a PlayStation podcast. Um, we thank everyone here that wants to continue to listen to us. And if you like what you hear, please go on over, um, pull your car over, you know, leave us a review. <laughs> Five stars is best. Um, if you like what you hear, we'll continue to do more and you can help us grow the show and gain a newer audience, everything like that. Um, you can also come interact with us on Twitter at C-A-N-D-S-Pod, at C-N-S-Pod. Of course, that has links as well to all of our other various sites, including YouTube and emails. But um, enough about that. Kate, let's talk about the games we've been playing. Uh, what have you been playing these days? I have been playing a extreme amount and yet somehow nowhere near as much as I'd like to of Divinity Original Sin 2. This game is basically D&D the video game. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's come up on the channel yet. I mean, we're only two episodes in, so, you know. Maybe, maybe we've spoken about it before, maybe but not future. on the show. Um, but anyway, I, I play D&D weekly uh, with a phenomenal, wonderful, lovely D&D group that actually gets together every week. <laughs> which is, so which shout is an anomaly. Out, yeah, an absolute shout anomaly. out to you guys. So it's, it's been a big part of my life recently and something I've, I've got, you know, really into. So I've been playing Divinity, which is basically encapsulated the, the amazing parts of D&D, but also is just an amazing video game in its own right. Um, so I'm playing it Couch Co-op. Uh, with my boyfriend who has already played through most of the game, um, but has been lovely enough to, to be excited about playing it a second time. And it is just, I dream about this game. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, just all encompassing. Like, it's just, it's just taken over our lives. Like, I dream about it. There's been times where, like, after playing for, like, an absolutely embarrassing, horrible, like, seven hours straight Holy or crap. something, I, like, close my eyes and I see, like, the hot bar like, in my clothes. That's how you know you're, you're ingrained in this. And like we've just become absolutely obsessed with it. But it's so compelling. It's one of those games where you feel like you've maybe been playing for two hours and you look and it's been like five hours and you haven't gotten up. Like it, it's absolutely like it saps your it's life dense, energy. Right? It's dense. It's got a little bit of everything. There's There's heavy role-playing elements to it. It has got like really great, written like quest lines and characters and and world building it has an amazing in-depth turn-based combat system and like the character build is so flexible and varied and it's just it does so many different things simultaneously and they work just beautifully together we we just i think we're about halfway through now there's four main acts in the game and we just finished act two after playing that much Oh God, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> we haven't been playing for a large stretch of time. We just play for large quantities at any given time. Right. So it's only been like maybe a month at most, but we've just been densely packing that month. It, it's great. I think my my favorite thing about the game is how invested I've gotten in the world. And it's the the game to me that I've played that really embodies most the idea that what you do has an effect on the world and there are consequences for all your actions. I think a lot of games now like to boast that that's an aspect to yeah, the game. Yeah, diverging story path. Diverging story path and your choices, your choices matter. matter. But and and it's true to a degree and and you know they they put that into their game in various levels and and sometimes. I don't, sometimes you don't want that. Sometimes it's better to have a, a very like 
crafted story that you work your way through and, you know, you're a specific character. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having a linear game. Some of my favorite games like Bioshock, for example, mm-hmm. work so well because they're linear. Yeah. And it would take away from it to, to give the character or the player character more freedom. But it, it's really beautiful to see a game that, that does it so well. Like every time we come across a new NPC or a new situation, we, we actually strategize, okay, this, this character, cause we have a, it's a party of four is how your party is. So you make your own player character and then you recruit a, from a, a section of like pre-made characters who all have different storylines and things mm-hmm. going on. You recruit them to, to fill in any blanks in your party. So for us, because we're playing two players, we have our own character we made and then we both have a recruited One character. One NPC along with you. Yeah. yeah. And you fully play that NPC. They're just an already preset. Right, they're not—they're not quite as customized as, as yeah. Your, they, yeah, you still customize everything they do and like what type of unit they're going to be and all their skills, but they—they have a specific backstory. Like they are, for my character, he's called the Red Prince. He's the Red Prince. That's his story, and you can't change that. But how I want him to play, I built him as a cool tanking unit. Yeah, yeah. That's up to you. So every time we we go up to a scenario, it's like, well, I think I think Sybil should talk to these characters because she's an elf. And they're an elf, so they're going to like her. Or, like, my character is the more charismatic sort of, of build. I have, like, points in, in persuasion and things. So I do a lot of the, like, talking to, to yeah, characters. Yeah. I initiate a lot of conversation because I, I tend to have a lot of uh, some more dialogue options. But, like, sometimes we get in a situation, it's like, oh, my character's a lizard. So the guy I'm talking to is really racist towards hates me. magic. Or... Because he hates lizards. And I, like, I'm a big yeah. like seven foot tall lizard <laughs> and, like, a little off-putting for little off-putting people. yeah it turns out they're really racist a lot of the time uh specifically lizards it's great that our face of the party is the, the, the lizard, most yeah. unappealing uh race as it turns out but every time we talk and then there'll be you know you're, you get the dialogue options which i i think if if you watch the previous episode i i did mention and as part of our quiz something that the game does really well and that i appreciate but to elaborate on that some more when we talk to an NPC, we often get options to speak to them or interact with them in a certain way based off of not only my character traits, so like I have a... I that guess, you're a giant lizard. That I'm a giant <laughs> fucking lizard and I will breathe fire in your yeah. face. <laughs> um, so I've got that sometimes plays into it or like my character has like a scholarly background, so sometimes... I'll I'll get in a situation. How unexpected for a giant lizard. Uh, yeah, I'm also say. I'm also a noble. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm a regal lizard who often sets everything on fire accidentally. But I, I get options based on that. So we'll come across a situation where maybe a character is being sort of vague about some kind of magical property they have, and I can just call them out because I'm a scholar and I would know about those things. Whereas another character. We have no you, idea. We have no idea. They just take them on face value. Yeah. Um, but it's also really cool because we have various like traits we've gained through the game from doing things. So we've we've kind of like helped out an elven faction. So sometimes that comes up, and we can use like my elf friend status to then influence a conversation totally later in the game. That's that, really cool. So the yeah. thread, the thread. Sometimes you'll do something, and then hours later. There's a payoff. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's constantly like referencing things we've done in the past. Or um, you get a lot of choices in quest lines on how to do them. And then based on what kind of road you took, different characters will, will have opinions of you based on how you chose to, to yeah, do storylines earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really cool because you're constantly feeling like all of your choices were important and you're being validated for the things that you did. And it's also it's also nice because sometimes you'll you'll come up in a situation and like maybe they they're part of a faction you helped earlier but you haven't met them and in another game they might just be this random npc that's like oh well you do this stupid quest for me Mm -hmm, so i can mm -hmm. gain your favor but it's like okay but because of me earlier in the game your faction's doing incredibly well and they they just recognize and they like you you're almost like someone they already know even though you've never met them yeah exactly and so it's neat so that depending on what order you do things different quests go totally different so we've had times where we've done things kind of in a strange or not a strange order but just how we happened to do it like we helped out 
this one character who was an apprentice to like a character we were hoping would teach us some more magic. And so when we met that character, instead of having to like go do a quest for her or like she would probably send you to go help out that the other faction the, the, the apprentice we were just able to rock up and be like hey Gwendolyn told us about you he can vouch for us she's like oh interesting you help Gwendolyn great he's my apprentice how That's can cool. I help you so I think a lot of games try to do what this game is doing and and I appreciate that it is incredibly difficult like the amount of writing that you have to do to kind of incorporate all the different like dialogues based on what you've done and like the forethought for thinking, well, what if they've done this first? It is an incredible undertaking. I can imagine it took them such a, a long time in development to, to write out all the different options. I understand why a lot of games don't do it, mm -hmm. but it is just, it's, it's constantly impressing me based off of just how yeah. thorough they are. How well thought out everything is. Yeah, it's so well thought out. But then like the game's also hilarious and silly and you get these small, dumb, quest lines of like oh these people have been turned into cows and like you have to go get a potion that will like will change that and then if you find the potion ahead of time and you drink it it turns you into a cow because it's like a back and forth silly like there's so much like silly little stuff hidden in it as well that it's always a, a joy to like all of the quests are fun to do even if they're dumb and like yeah it's, com really it's compelling even if it's just a fun little aside compared to the grander mission i guess yeah and and it's it's fun to play as a couch co-op thing because not only do we have so much of the world, but we've also kind of created sub stories going on in our in our group dynamic. So for example, we recently had a, a funny turn. So my character is a lizard, which we know, but my other character I play who I have is also a lizard. He's like a lizard prince. He's called the Red Prince, and they look super cool together as I'm decked out in cool lizard armor. And so it's kind of become on my headcanon that like my character's trying to like date the prince. <laughs> like they're gonna be this great lizard power couple. So I've been we've been going off of this all game. That, you know, they're a couple and like the the red prince is very like he's kind of standoffish and he sort of thinks he's better than everyone else being a prince. And uh he's kinda he's He's one of those characters that you can tell has a good heart, but he's, you know, you got to break through that outer shell first. So I've been trying to do that all game long. And, you know, we've gotten to the point where, because you can talk to your, your followers and, and give different dialogue. And it's neat because you sort of build that bond with them. But at the same time, like, if they don't like you, they'll actually leave your party. Like, you have to sort of keep them interested oh, you, to that's a degree. A, that's kind of cool. Um, so the prince, I've, I've made so much progress. I've broken through. He's admitted that we're good friends. And like every time you something that like that happens, show. I'm like, oh, Matias, look, like the prince just complimented me. This is amazing. We're going to be the best couple. And he's been so encouraging. Like, oh, yeah, you guys are so great. That's so nice. Good for you. Like, oh, you're making so much progress. And so he's played this before. And when he played, one of uh, the, the guys he played with was the red prince. So he knows his red prince storyline so he's been encouraging me in my my wonderful love story my lizard romance this whole time and we finally get to a portion of the game and this is maybe maybe a very very minor spoiler but it turns out that part of the red prince's specific story quest is there's a red princess oh no <laughs> and, and they want to like get together and they're soulmates oh my God. and they're gonna like recreate like they're gonna bring dragons back into the world by having dragon babies and Matthias knew this the whole time <laughs> and the red prince told us about it and we got this storyline that now we have to you know like keep going and fulfill and they met and slept together immediately oh my God. and my character's just been sitting there like, Oh, yeah, that's nice. Good for you. Sure. So supportive. <laughs> like, Heartbreaking. I've man. been devastated. And it's just been an absolutely like wonderful like So you're saying you're not gonna finish this game now because you're too upset about what happened. No, I'm playing it cool, hoping it doesn't work out and then like mm -hmm. You know, he sees I've been supportive. I've been here the whole time. Like sometimes you got to get to the very end for you know it's like a it's like a rom com, right? Like exactly. This, this these is, kind of things always happen. There's bumps that's in the right. road. This is the mid story conflict where that's eventually right. it can't end, be too easy. <laughs> that's it can't right. be too easy. That's right. I've wow. got it. I'm holding out hope still. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to update us how that goes. I will as we continue to 
to uh, <laughs> talk about divinity, original sin too. Yes, it's it's going to be a big part of my life, hopefully for for the next. I would love to stretch the game out for the next three years, yeah. but I have a feeling we might finish it before then. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, if you're playing seven hours a session, I think so too. <laughs> but yeah, if if you're into like a really immersive and the combat, like which I didn't even get into, and, and we maybe don't have time for today, but it is amazing and tactical and difficult, but phenomenal. So. Maybe next time we'll talk about that. But um, if you want a really immersive, rewarding and game that just can eat away at your entire life, which is the perfect time for something like that right now. It really, really is. Purchase a copy of Divinity. Get a couple friends together. It's phenomenal. It's a good time. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, So I've been playing a couple things. Uh, I'm happy you just mentioned having something to do during this time of being stuck inside, being at Mm -hmm. home. Um, And I've really gotten into something that's a bit unexpected for me, which is I hit Fortnite, which I mentioned I'd played on the last episode when I somehow won five games in a row and will never replicate that again. But um, yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying playing it. And I'm not someone that's really into, like I said before, um, really competitive kind of games, like multiplayer stuff a lot of the time. But it's just this game, for some reason, is hitting so hard right now is a great way to hang out with friends online when we can't get together. And I think this game is very interesting in the fact that it's it's so obscenely popular right now in you know, the culture, like all the kids are playing Fortnite and everyone knows there's action figures and there's the dances and, right. and, and like, everything. Right. And Thanos was in it Yeah, like point. Thanos, all types of crossovers. There's like Cable and X-Men and Deadpool in it right now. Deadpool? Deadpool's in it right That's now, yeah. That's interesting considering that like Fortnite, well, I mean, it's it's obviously like a game for everyone, but I think it has a lot of, a large portion of its, totally, of its player yeah. base is, is kids, right? So Deadpool seems like sort of a weird... I know, yeah. I, I kind of thought the same thing, but, there, but he's but... in there. And, and I guess there's something for everyone, right? But, yeah. but um, you know, I think this game gets written off a lot by people that are into, aren't into it. It's like, oh, that's for the annoying 10-year-olds. And, and like, these yeah. dances are stupid. And like, I'm not really into the dances. And, and to be honest, they don't even really come up that often in the game. It's more just like a taunt. But the game itself is is really fun. Like I'm I'm really enjoying playing it. I think the guns feel good to to control. I don't really know how to build very well, but I think there's something really cool about it's you and your team against a bunch of other teams, and you're just trying to should we hide or like I see a guy in the distance, should we start shooting at him or should we just let him walk by and and maybe save our ammo for later or you know not give away our position. And um, it's really gotten me into it in a way I just didn't expect because of the tenseness uh, or how tense you feel when you're getting hunted or someone's taking shots at you and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, if I stay in this house, I've got a sniper and you can flank around this hill, so I'll mm-hmm. stay here. And and you really have to be, um, you know, it's a lot of teamwork, I think, for these type of games, right. the battle royales. And um, so it's also the that constant dopamine hit of like, we actually got the battle pass. My friend gifted it to me just because we were having so much fun. And so you level up pretty quickly and you're always unlocking all this new stuff. And I'm not really one into into cosmetics or those type of things, but for whatever reason right now, this is a situation where I have kind of been caught up in like, oh, it'd be, it'd be nice to level up or like this skin is cool. Like maybe I'll just play one more game and maybe unlock it. And I don't know how long I'm really going to play for, but you know, it's it's uh, something I'm definitely going to keep going back to for the next little bit. Um, yeah, just, just a fun online experience. Hmm. It's nice and lighthearted. We kind of don't even really talk about the game half the time when we're playing. We're just chatting about other things and right. and kind of just hanging out in the in the game over okay. where we're just talking on chat. Yeah. But it's a good time. That's interesting. And knowing a lot of your gaming history, that's not a game I would have ever pegged you to get into. I know, me either. Um, and like the, it doesn't really interest me aside from I've gotten into it this one, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks. And now do you do you think like it's just, then you said the social aspect, which obviously makes a lot of sense. Do you think that that will bridge, this will bridge you into playing more of those games? Like, will you kind of dapple into like something like Apex well, or like I actually, PUBG as well, or just Fortnite because it, it just has a little bit of a special well, aspect to it? That's an interesting question because Fortnite's not, I, I love Apex Legends. I think that's a great game. And I know I don't play a lot of online games, but I was I, Apex is the one that I think is my favorite, actually. Mm-hmm. And I would play that all the time. This would be my Apex Legends if I had friends that were interested in playing Apex. For whatever right. reason, the people that I play with, they just really prefer Fortnite, and that's why I'm, I'm playing it. Um, I think I would be into Apex the same way, probably even more, because I think that's more fun. I'm more interested in the first-person kind of mm-hmm. um, setup, and I like the world of Apex more. I like the characters having their different abilities and and i think it's more interesting for me but just because this is where the friends are at this is what i'm playing right and i guess this one's maybe a little a little better for more of the casual 
yeah. aspect where you're you're just joking around as exactly, well. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, there's so many challenges on the battle pass. You can you'll it'll be like you know go fishing three times and catch a fish. Like you can just. It's not even fighting anyone, you know, whereas in mm -hmm. Apex, it's always like get 10 headshots with a pistol and you're you're right. more like you have to be more honed in on it when you're playing that. Whereas this is just like, oh, we died. Who cares? Like, it's mm -hmm. fine type of deal. So so I don't know. I recommend like check it out if you're interested. Like, I know it's kind of a hard sell for some people because it's so you either like it or you find it annoying. Right. And I've kind of been flipped in a way, mm -hmm. not that I'm a huge Fortnite fan or anything like after this season or whatever, I'm probably not going to touch it again, but it's good for now been enjoying it but if we want to talk about something that i've really been playing a lot of <laughs> we recently linked our steam share together mm -hmm. um thank you again for doing that because i don't have a lot of steam games you no, have a ton no problem i was mostly just annoyed about how we talk about it every single month and then yeah, not yeah. do it it's always so, on the to-do yeah, list but it's finally so, done <laughs> so you have a game on here um slay the spire um now this isn't uh i'm not playing it on playstation but it is on playstation so I'm, I'm going to talk about it anyway. But this game is is a great, 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 great deck building game, which I really like. I think trading card games are really cool. But the thing that always turns me off about them is the PvP. You know, if you don't pay for it, you're not going to have the good cards. So you'll never win type of deal. And, and like how much better buying things is versus like just playing with whatever you get or or like especially in person or yeah, whatever. There's but, that, that barrier <clears throat> that is hard to access. A, exactly, yeah. But this game takes away a lot of those frustrations because it's not PvP. You're playing against um, computer enemies that, that come up and they'll, they'll have different guys attacking you at whatever level you're on. But I love being able to build a deck and kind of flesh out how I want to play without having to worry about like microtransactions or I should go buy a booster pack or, or yeah. like, oh, these cards are now, you know, from the old set. So you can't use them anymore in like a traditional trading card game. And so that this is a perfect storm for me as far as a card game where I can build my deck. And, and if I don't like it, next time you play, it's, it's a roguelike. So when you when you lose or when you beat it, the game kind of just ends and then you restart from the start. And you can, there's four different characters you can pick and all of them start with some very similar abilities. It's just basically attack cards and defend cards and a couple of special ones here and there. But as you kind of progress and you go through more and more levels and floors on, on the spire, you every time you beat a level, you get to pick one of three cards to add to your deck. And because it's such a limited choice, you have to pick just the one you think is best at the time. And then every time you beat a level, you're kind of, okay, well, last turn I picked this card where if I discard a card, I gain two attack next turn. So then the next, after you beat the next level, you'll maybe see another card, which is like, oh, discard three cards and gain two health or something like that. Then you're like, well, I, I have this discard card from before, so now that would be good synergy. Mm -hmm. And your deck can kind of look very different even if you're playing the same character multiple times. I think eventually, like I think you've reached this point, you've played a lot of it too, where eventually you kind of know all the cards and maybe the best way to set up each character and, and what's going to be maybe the most effective yeah. strategy. I, I had a few phases with the game when I mm -hmm. played it, and I... I would recommend it. I think it's a, a phenomenal game. I love deck building. I like trading card games just in general. Deck building is, is one of my favorite aspects of it. I love these kind of games. I love like deck building board games. I play a lot with my friends and this game was great for like the beginning is exciting when you're just learning about all these different cards and then you sort of go through like that mid phase where you're trying, you kind of know a lot of the cards. So you're sort of trying out different. That's kind of where I'm at right now, yeah. And then you get to the third final phase where you know everything in the game, and then you're like trying to min max and craft like the perfect version of every character. Right. And then it was at that point after I'd been addicted and gone through all the phases where I stopped getting that excitement of like opening a new pack of cards or like getting new stuff that I finally fell off playing it. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's not forever. I've been binging yeah. a lot of it right it's, now. It's a very bingy game. And, it, and yes. it's it's cool too because you'll have a bunch of cards to pick from, but the more you play a certain character, you can unlock even more cards that will show up in your next runs. So even if you played a character a bunch of times, you know, eventually you will unlock all of their cards, but you'll have to play them multiple times before you do. And then when you do get the new cards, there's new ways to play. And it just kind of is a repeating cycle of like, oh, I should do one more run and see how far I can get. And, you know, just to get back to the deck building for a second, I, I really appreciate the way this game does it, because I think one of the most intimidating things about other card games as well is like, you, you're like, here's all the cards, build your deck. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, you don't really know what's good or bad, but this game, it just gives you the very simple cards at the start. And then you you slowly add one card after every battle in the way that 
you kind of build your deck over time instead of building it all for one battle. And in that way, it's it's easy to build a deck for someone that's not as familiar with maybe the best strategies for these types of games, such mm -hmm. as myself, because I don't play a right. lot. And it also encourages you to try out different cards you might not necessarily have picked out otherwise, mm -hmm. because out of the three options, maybe you don't inherently gravitate towards one of them or... Um, yeah. You don't like the other two options. You almost kind of get like stuck with a, with a yeah. card sometimes, but then it ends up being interesting. We end up building your deck around it. So Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then I have, you know, the, and then the other aspect too is there's four different characters in this game as well. And they all, they all unlock completely different card sets and, and you can build them all very differently. And each one of them has like two or three different main mechanics that their deck works around. Like there's one guy who, who is all about more discarding and, and whatnot. Like the, the red guy with the sword, I forget what his name is, the wanderer yeah, or something like that. Like that. he's all about like discarding or and um, exhausting cards, which is like you can play it once and then it's gone. Whereas the the last character, the DLC character is, is all about different stances. So when she can change stance and do double damage, but then she takes double damage. And then you're trying to like, okay, I'm going to go into this attack stance. And then the mark for my last card, I'm going to play a defensive stance. So now when the enemy attacks, I don't take as much damage and you're trying to balance like what you're playing when and it's just completely different really than playing the other characters and then mm -hmm. there's two more as well <clears throat> and overall I think it just adds to it all contributes to making you just want to do another run another run another run and yeah. it's very very addicting so I'm probably going to play that for the next little bit as well um, I just played in between you know Final Fantasy and whatever I'm doing but it's fun just to unwind and kind of play Something like that where yeah. you're also making progress. That that to me was one of those games where like I put on like TV or something in the background and exactly. then slay the spire and you exactly. get, you know, 50% totally right. attention to either thing. And it's, yeah. It's, it's a, a great game. game. It's a great game. <laughs> um, but that's going to do us for the game we've been playing. Uh, we'll be back in just a few seconds after a nice musical interlude to talk about some PlayStation news. Hey everybody, welcome back to the second segment of today's show. And yes, that means it is time to talk about the news. There's been, uh, you know, I feel like there's been for PlayStation, despite the fact they haven't actually revealed the PS5 yet, there's been a lot of news recently, I think, kind of coming out with the controller and everything. And we've got a couple stories here today as well. Kate, would you like to read the first? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our first of the two stories for, uh, for this week um, comes from Jim Ryan. It's the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. This comes from the PS uh, PlayStation blog. As a thank you to all who are doing their part to lessen the impact of this pandemic, Sony Interactive Entertainment is pleased to announce the Play at Home initiative, obviously uh, in response to the coronavirus yes. um, and the home quarantine. So to support Play at Home, PlayStation will try to make these occasionally dull moments more exciting by offering Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection, and Journey available for free for a limited time through digital download. Once you redeem the games, they are yours to keep. And then the article goes on to say, independent developers are vital to the heart and soul of the gaming community, and we understand the hardships and financial struggles that many similar gaming studios are facing. With that, uh, SIE has developed a fund to support them during this time. Uh, we have earmarked 10 million to support our independent development partners. During these days of physical distancing, Fans have turned to gaming for moments of respite and enjoyment. At Sony Interactive Entertainment, we are privileged to bring this much-needed entertainment. We know this is just one small step, and we are thankful to be able to offer the support to our players, our communities, and our partners. Um, so, yeah, basically, just a, a quick overview of that. Then they're they're giving out a couple free games um, to the players, and also then putting this initiative forward to help out the smaller studios to make sure that they can still succeed despite, you know, all the setbacks that are, that are going to be happening. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great move personally. Um, I mean, obviously it is free games for people. Right. And I think they're in a really good position to do that, especially coming towards the end of, you know, the PS4 generation where, you, I mean, like people that are going to have played Journey or the Nathan Drake collection, like most people that wanted to play it would have bought it by now. So they're not really losing a lot of sales by giving them away for free. But it's a really good, nice, like goodwill gesture, I think, especially during like these times when 
it's it's good PR, right, for them. I think more than anything. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it's just a win win for everyone. Like for gamers who don't who don't have those games, or maybe they've played or it they on a different m- system, yeah, like, or, or they don't have money at the moment yeah. to buy a new game to play while they're unemployed or something. Yeah, at home. exactly. And um, like, I think I think that's definitely really good. And if you want to get into like the the second part as well about the independent developers and, and and the extra fun they have to support them, I think that's a great move as well because not only is it Again, another nice goodwill gesture to kind of help out these smaller studios. But also, I think leading up to the launch of the PS5, they need as many launch titles and whatever for the PS5 as possible. Obviously, they're probably going to have some some big first party, at least one big first party game to come out. But I think indies are often what can prop up. You know, indies will be a big part, I think, of propping up kind of content on the on the new consoles as as they come out and launch. So if these if these studios were shutting down or getting delayed in in terms of like their development cycles on their new games because of money and financial problems, I think this is a really smart move for Sony to keep those guys working and um, developing for their their release of PS5. Yeah, exactly. I think that definitely can't be overlooked. That those those smaller studios make up like a large portion of of the content that mm-hmm. people actually play, And indie play, games right? are so and popular like, these days. It's not like there's some... I mean, back at the start of PS3 and PS and Xbox 360, it was kind of like, oh, that's a downloadable game. Like, that's not really yeah. what I want to play. But now, like, if you look at that landscape of, of games and, and where they've come, like, indies are often being considered for game of the year these days. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, there's just so much creative freedom right now in the industry, and there's, there's so many different developers, you know, taking new takes on different genres or even just creating new types of of genres and experiences it's like almost like like we're in a golden age obviously like right now we've kind of slowed down a bit when in terms of like you know what's really going to be releasing soon and and whatnot but there's just so many amazing games that have come Mm -hmm. out in the last few years and you you just yeah it's almost nice to kind of get a a, you know bit of a sort of like a hard reset and just some extra yeah. time to sort of sit and relax exactly. and make your Good way through your catalog. Right and, totally. Um, the, the funny part is, so I think that's, this is all fantastic, and I think it's also something that they need to do to, to stay competitive in a way too. Like the first thing I thought of when I read this um, was I compared it to the Epic Games Store that is just consistently pumping out free, free content, games. Yeah. Like I've... I probably have a library of like 30 plus games on Epic Game Store. I haven't bought a single game on that platform. Exactly. Yeah, me either. That's that's a good point. And and I think it, it's nice to see some of the bigger players trying to maybe emulate emulate that in a way as well. Totally. Do do um, you, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say what the one small caveat to this that's a little bit funny uh, and maybe unfortunate for for some people, but there is an asterisk in this uh, article that says in Germany and China uh, instead of it being the Uncharted collection and Journey, they have access to Journey and Knack 2. Oh, dear. So. Sorry, German listeners. Sorry, guys. Um, a little bit unfair there. The quality yeah, might dip a little bit in your and experience. I, the article doesn't uh, elaborate on that anymore, but I, I'm so curious as to why yeah, I wonder, two I, regions get Knack 2. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> instead if it's like of, licensing or, yeah, or some like just, legality. Maybe kind of it's just weird because Uncharted's like one of the quintessential PlayStation totally franchises, is. and like, how do you replace that with Knack Two? I know it's a bit of a slap. Like you think they would at least if you okay, we can't give Uncharted guys. You know, there's a legal reason why. Yeah. We can. So let's let's like you know give them something a little bit better than Knack Two. Yeah, but, like have The Last of Us or God yeah, of War, or another really big PlayStation game. Bit strange. But instead, you can you can look forward to Knack yeah, Two. Yeah. <laughs> so the. Obviously, this is this is happening because of the coronavirus and mm-hmm. isolation and everything. Do you think? Do you think there's potential? Like, depending how long this goes on, is this a one-time deal, or do you think you could? They might do like another play at home release in the future. I I mean I think I could see them doing it again before the world kind of goes back to normal. Like I think we've kind of been understanding communities and and especially like where we live in the world, like this is going to extend probably for Mm -hmm. at least another couple months. Like this is not just the couple months at best. It seems like, yeah, like this is not just like the the small couple weeks that we were maybe naively hoping it would be at the beginning. And we're kind of settling into, to realizing that this is, you know, this is going to take some time before things go back to our, what we would have considered a regular routine um, so I think it, it would be smart of them and it would probably work out in their benefit as well as, as a customer's benefit to to maybe do this 
few times. Mm-hmm. But long longevity of it, I don't know, considering that it, it's sort of they've already kind of covered that with a free PS Plus games yeah. that they, they I mean, give it, out. You do every pay month. for PS Plus, which is the difference. But, yeah. But, and that's um, true, but I I think it, it really would depend on if you know, like Microsoft offered this. Yeah. Like with Epic Games doing it and and the PC environment is is quite different to yeah. a degree. So while that is technically a competitor, it's not really a direct not in the same competitor. Way. Exactly. Yeah. So I think maybe if if Microsoft offered it going forward and it was just something that they were pressured to do, then maybe. But I I don't see them replacing yeah. PS Plus games with yeah. with something like this in the future. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I, they would replace it, but I, I definitely agree, like, depending how long this kind of goes on for, I could see them doing it again. Um, mm. I think, like, just speculating, obviously, and kind of, like, spitballing here, but, like, if they were to do it again, I could easily see maybe Horizon Zero Dawn being that would be a great uh, game. an offering on here, just because it's kind of coming, it's coming to PC, and, and I think that some people in the PlayStation ecosystem could be like, oh, you know, why is our PlayStation exclusive coming to PC? Well, maybe to mitigate the fact that they're putting on another platform, maybe they'll be at the same time they could be like, hey, Horizon is now free for everyone on PS4 mm-hmm. or something just to kind of, you know, if they did want to do it again, I think that would be a good shout as mm-hmm. something they could do. But yeah, except in Germany, obviously, except where in you Germany, get where, like yeah, NAC zoomies. One. <laughs> NAC NAC one. One. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. You get all Uncharted games, but you only get NAC 2, yeah, not NAC even two. the NAC collection. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh dear. Wow. Well, we'll see if they do it again. Um, but we got yeah. a second story here. We'll move along. Um, this one is um, about a PS. The PS5 launch supply is going to be lower than the PS4. Um, this is according to Takashi Michizuki and Yuki Furukawa from Bloomberg. Um, it's a really big article. So if you're interested, please go and read it because this is just a quite a small summary of a, of a very large article. Um, but it goes as follows. Sony Corp plans to produce far fewer units of the upcoming PlayStation 5 in its first year than it had previously for the previous generation console's launch, according to people familiar with the matter. Sony's strategy, according to several people familiar with the plans, will rely on the incumbent PS4 models to bridge <clears throat> as a bridge to get new users into the PlayStation platform's network services while the PS5 remains in limited supply, the people said. The company has told assembly partners it would make about 5 to 6 million units of the PS5 in the fiscal year ending in March 2021, according to people involved with the machine supply chain. When Sony released the PlayStation 4 in November 2013, it sold 7.5 million units in just the first two quarters. The PS5 production volume could still change depending on the COVID-19 situation, people said, but still, Sony remains unlikely to to delay the PS5 from critical year-end shopping season so long as the arch-rival... I I think it's funny they use the term (laughs) arch-rival. Yes. As long as as arch-rival Microsoft Corp. doesn't push back the release date of its next-generation Xbox, also expected at the end of the year. Sony won't delay either, the people said. That's a weird sentence. Uh, mm. Some people, some analysts believe the close contests for attention between PlayStation and Xbox, especially in the U.S., may force both companies to sell their new consoles at a loss. Of course, like I said, there's a lot more. Um, I was kind of picking and choosing the important aspects of the article, but how do you feel about this this news? I mean, it's definitely sad news. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to to say exactly why. I mean, obviously, the coronavirus and and it's it's probably very difficult to make business decisions. But there's so many behind the scene things that go into making a decision like that that we don't we're not yeah. privy to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely unfortunate. Is the initial response like my worry is that you get people who buy up large quantities right. and then resell and it. Mm-hmm. I think is the the biggest concern and issue with having such a low stock. Yeah, and we're not talking about insignificant numbers either. Like it says, five to six million they're potentially going to make here for launch. Like if the PS Four sold seven point five, if if they're down to maybe even let's say five million, like that's two and a half million less consoles is a, is a lot. And you'd mm-hmm. have to think the interest in PS Five would be higher than the PS Four because of how successful the PS Four is. I think a lot of people who are, who don't have a PS Four are waiting to to jump in at the PS Five. And it's going to be tougher for them to get the console. Yeah. Like, I know I, I want to get one pretty much immediately. Yeah. Like, I I have a big, big backlog of 
PS4 games I still need to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's not like I'll be, you know, getting rid of my PS4, but you know, I'm going to be excited to to get a PS5 day one and uh, see what the console is all about and then try some of the new exclusives. So if I can't get my hands on one, I'll, I will be disappointed. But at the same time, like, you know, there's there's so much uncertainty right now. I don't know. I don't necessarily blame Sony for yeah. for not being able to produce them if, if it's a challenge, but it's just an unfortunate consequence of it is, where the it world's is. at right now. I, I just wonder, like, how much of it is to do with the the virus, though, because it says, like, at the end of the article when they mention they don't plan to push back the, the release as long as Xbox doesn't push back, it seems mm-hmm. like... It seems like they're almost taking Microsoft's lead on when they're going to be releasing the console, which I think is kind of weird right because i i think sony has this perspective like yeah we're number one like we're playstation this is our brand we have all the best exclusive games like which, this is which is which true, is true right <laughs> for the most part and and it's weird that they are saying as long as arch rival microsoft doesn't delay then we're not going to but it wouldn't it, i to me wouldn't it be like oh great microsoft's delaying we're gonna get our console which is better out yeah. first i i think it's i think the perspective on that is that they would like to delay so that they can mm send out you know a, more the, the, a better amount at the time and, and avoid these issues from having a smaller stock but i think there's because of that competition they can't afford to delay if microsoft doesn't mm. because people who are on the fence i mean a lot of people i think already know which one they're gonna buy yeah ahead of time like there's not a lot of people that are in the middle deciding but those people that are in the are unsure if only Microsoft releases their console and one comes out, that's the one they're going to get. Right. So I think it's not so much that like, oh, if Microsoft delays, oh, we'll do it too. Why not? I think it's the opposite that like hmm. they're not going to delay if Microsoft doesn't so that they can stay in that competition. Yeah, yeah. I can see that, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what do you think about them selling the console at a loss? I mean, I... I don't know. I'm not a business. I'm yeah. not a business That's the person. That's hard part. Right? Yeah. Spoilers. Like, we don't have business degrees. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, selling at a loss sounds like a bad thing. I don't recommend that. But at the same time, like, it might just be as it is, right? Like, they're yeah. going to make that money back probably by... Well, they'll make it back in games and PS in Plus games, subscriptions and everything. Yeah. And PS Plus. And if, even if they're selling at a loss right now, like, over the lifespan of selling the PS5, it might recuperate. Yeah, so like, and I think there's, I mean, I don't know specifically which one's off the top of my head, but I don't think selling consoles at a loss is an unprecedented move to get people yeah. kind of into your ecosystem. If you're taking, you know, a few, even a hundred bucks off at a loss for the console, you're making profit on every game that comes out. You're making the PS Plus money. Like, I think they're, it's not like Sony's going to be hurting for money if they sell at a loss. Yeah, I think that yeah. just might be something unfortunate, but like the reality of mm-hmm. of how it's going to have to happen. Well, so. Yeah, well, and also like the, because there's so many people getting laid off and losing their jobs and, and economic issues right now, I think because of the virus, they they can't really afford to put the console out and be, expensive you know like it's going obviously going to be pricey but i don't think they can afford to to release it and then have it cost this this amount of money where they can't sell it you know or if it costs more than xbox like it would i think that would be exactly why the ps3 didn't sell so well at the start of its life as well was that it was so expensive right and that's another interesting point too and i wonder how that will play into um the numbers thing because i wonder if they will get smaller sales than they would have originally projected Mm -hmm. because of the economic situation of a lot of customers right now who maybe don't have the extra funds or don't have that like confidence of their stability to Mm -hmm. make a big purchase. So Yeah, it's interesting to see. I think the thing is that a launch of a console, like you're going to sell them all. There's enough people around the world that they're going to buy all the consoles it's just a, maybe a fact of like maybe they'll buy only one controller instead of two or like, right. less you know, games less or... games or something like that. But I don't think they'll, I mean, you're not going to find these things on shelves when they come out. Yeah. It's going to be sold out pre, like the pre-orders yeah. are probably, they'll sell out in two seconds on the internet. Right. But yeah, I think it's and it'll be interesting to follow and see what happens. It, like if Microsoft does end up delaying their console or, or, I mean, at this point, you never know what might happen if they're manufacturing the PS5s right now, like. Who's to say they're not going to run into some hiccup halfway through or, yeah. or, or something like that. So well, it'll be an yeah. interesting situation to monitor as we move forward. Yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on it and uh, see what sort of updates we get in the future. And, and hopefully... I mean, hopefully we we can all get one and those who, who want one can at the release. But 
But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it might, be a, it might be a sad Christmas this year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, in any case, we're going to end the news segment there for this uh, episode, but we'll be right back after a short break um, with a PS4 retrospective. All right, everyone, welcome back to segment number three of today's show. And of course, that means we're talking about um, the PS4, you know, just it's a we're a second episode in of this uh, PlayStation podcast. So what better time to kind of take a look back at, at uh, you know, PlayStation's current console just before it gets taken over at the end of the year by PS5 and kind of go back through our history and how the console really, um, you know, <clears throat> became the thing that made PlayStation the leader of the kind of console market you know before last generation i think many people would say xbox 360 was kind of the leader until maybe the very end but ps4 i think really has proven how strong the playstation brand is in terms of video games and how they've gotten um to be such a juggernaut kind of in the industry over these last um what's it seven years i guess since the ps4 came out so yeah mm-hmm. ps4 came out 2013 um I mean, wow. it seems like forever ago now yeah, that, that happened. Wow. I remember I actually worked at EV Games at the time when PS4 came out, and I was so exciting to be one of the people on the front lines kind of talking to customers about like, oh, what are the new features? You know, what what are the differences between this and the Xbox? And and it's kind of a really cool thing to have been involved at that in that level of it mm-hmm. um, at the start and now at the end starting this show and, and talking about PlayStation 4 specifically as kind of this console that's been this span of time. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, the Pro came out in 2016 and there was a Slim as well. I don't know the year where the Slim came out. I probably should have looked that one up. But I yeah, think it was, that was before in between the, Pro, the in between probably the 2014, Pro. 2015, something like that. But yeah, what are your overall kind of thoughts on PS4? Obviously, I think it's arguably both of our favorite game consoles of, yeah, it's, of all time. It's and definitely my favorite game console. And it's, it's still something like it's funny to say, like, looking back on it for me, because I still have so many PS4 games that I haven't yeah. gotten around to playing yet that are so incredibly, like, high on my list. And, like, I I have, like, an amazing catalog. Like, I'm going to get a PS5, like I said, day Hopefully one. as soon it, as possible. Well, yeah, as soon as possible. But, like, I'm still going to be using my PS4 for a long time after that. There's so many amazing games I want to play. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's kind of weird to, in that sense, to feel like looking back on it when I'm still very much looking forward to, yeah, totally. to a lot of things. Totally. But at the same time, like seven years ago was a very different time to, to where we're at now in terms of like where we're, where we're at in our lives, you know, what kind of games we play, what we have played since then. Like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a long length of time, you know, and, and, um, I think there was so much that worked really well for the PS4 that's made it this this kind of console that's so revered at the time like and we have to start by saying like the first party lineup of games for this system is just incredible you know with all the the top tier like god of war bloodborne spider-man mm-hmm. persona 5 like last of last us. of us uncharted 4 uncharted, yeah. there's just i mean there's tons more we didn't even say there but there's just so many it looks like everywhere you turn there's just like amazingly high quality games of every type that are on yeah. the system like there's so many it's hard to get through them all right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's just Horizons too many good gone. options yeah there it's it's just a catalog of first party games i don't think that's been ever really been stronger and unless you look maybe you could argue maybe the ps2 or you know game boy or those older systems but in the modern generation like comparing comparing it to you know, Xbox or even like the Wii U at the time. Like there's just the quantity of quality exclusive titles on the PS4 is something else. And those are on top of all the other massive games that come out cross-platform as well. So like it just has such an absolutely like wonderful, diverse and and, like impressive catalog of games. And it makes me really excited to see how that those franchises go forward into the PS5 and like what other new franchises they bring into it. Right, or which older ones they revive. Yeah, yeah. Crash Bash. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope so. Shout out to Crash Bash. We're going to shout Crash Bash out a lot on here, I feel. (laughs) But, uh, you you know, the other thing that I think PS5 or PS4, excuse me, did did very well or something that it's it's introduced into, you know, the non-PC gaming market is, is how accessible PSVR is. And I think that's a really underrated, um, kind of aspect of ps4 because it's not 
overt. Like not everyone has a, a VR headset. Not everyone is interested in this kind of space of gaming yet is very much like in its infancy. But the fact that PlayStation has a, um, you know, a VR headset you can play at home without having to have a high-end PC and it has exclusive games like people love Astrobot Rescue Mission and, and that's an exclusive and Iron Man VR is supposed to come out. I think that they're really um, ahead of their time in having this kind of VR headset that people have been able to experience for a relatively lower price than than some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that's like, that's always the big thing that stops people from playing VR mm -hmm. is it is it's difficult to... It's difficult to, to get it, right? To get like, it and it's like it's a still a novelty and um having that accessibility is is probably really special for a lot of people who wouldn't experience it otherwise mm -hmm. but i mean it's it's not been like a perfect console there are i mean some things that didn't work so well as well like the controllers just have the shittiest battery life i think the dualshock 4 just dies in no time and that's <laughs> that's been a huge complaint like it's obviously not like a, a world ending problem but like it's something i think that they're looking to improve for the next you know, PS5, obviously. And I mean, it's got other problems like that too. Like the hard drive right now just seems so incredibly tiny when, once yes. you have this huge log of games after having the console yeah. for so many years. Especially if you're buying a lot of things digitally. It yeah, I mean, like, and, and we're run all kind of, of moving more towards that, right? And, and yeah. the games are just like Final Fantasy, I think is is like a, not Final Fantasy, one of the games that just came out, it's like a hundred gig install or something. It's just ridiculous how big it is. And I think this these hard drives are just so small and... And it's like, it just seems dated now to have this hard drive kind of issue, you know, <laughs> and hopefully it can be remedied. But, but um, I think, I think the other one that really doesn't work so well right now too is PS Now, which is the, you know, the streaming service you can kind of sign up for. But, mm -hmm. but I mean, comparison to what Xbox is offering with Game Pass, where you just get like every first party game for free and you get yeah. all these third party games that are there day and date, like release day, you can play Outer Worlds and all these games where PlayStation, they're like, yeah, we got PS Now, but we don't really advertise it. And guess what you can play on there? It's like all these old PS3 games, which are great, but it's not like the new game that's going to get you to sign up for the service, you know? Yeah. And except for there's a few exceptions they put on there now. I think they had, um, was it God of War that was on there? Or, I think it was I think God Control or something. Like they had, they had a few, but overall, like this PS Now is is really not become anything to really talk about. Yeah, like I don't know a single person who Yeah, who, who subscribed. Like, I mean, they even had a free trial at some point, and I don't think, I mean, you never even heard about it. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's something you don't hear about. I hear about, the, like you said, the Microsoft Xbox version, mm -hmm. I hear about it all the time. Pretty much everyone I know has a PlayStation in my circle and doesn't even play Xbox. Yeah. But that's the one that's that, the one people that comes up, right? Yeah, and I think like the they they've done a really good job recently of of making the PSN more stable, but I remember like even a few years ago there was all those times the PSN was getting hacked and and like having these your sensitive information potentially stolen. That's right. Yeah, I remember in the PS3 we got um free games that one time because yeah, because, like the, because of the account had been. And it, I got Infamous. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> that's why I played Infamous. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was free. But uh, I mean, maybe that's not their fault that they got hacked. But at the same yeah. time, like, obviously it was hackable and not impossible to get into. Like, this didn't happen to every company. It happened to Sony. And so I think that is something they, they'll continue to improve the online service, I hope. And yeah. maybe get, make it better. Um, the only other thing I would say about what... What didn't work so well was the the lack of the backwards compatibility. Yes, that was the big point I had put down as well. Is it just it it didn't exist basically? Yeah. Um, I'm excited and and happy that they seem to have addressed that with the five. Yeah, um, I think well PS five they said they're going to be most the most PS four games will run on it even not if not at launch. Yeah, they said the majority of games. I, there's a few caveats that just for whatever reason aren't going to be compatible but um they said the vast majority of games they're yeah. testing them and they, they should be working so that's important to me because like i you know mentioned earlier i've got a big list of, of backlog games yeah. it's gonna be really cool if i can play them on ps5 well, it'd be nice and, wouldn't it you have all these ps4 games you just you can unhook yeah. your ps4 plug in the ps5 and you're playing the same games but on yeah a better like, system. like right now in in my um entertainment stand i still have my playstation 3 plugged in i i don't yeah, so I do I. it's been a long time since i've used it but i still have it because if i ever want to go back and play a game that's my only option but it would be nice to be able to kind of clean that up a little bit and have my my beautiful absolutely. new ps5 just sitting there absolutely so <clears throat> not to be too down in the negativity let's talk like <laughs> what are what were some of your favorite games and features and and 
you know, that you have really fond memories of from the PS4. I mean, obviously it was still going on. It's not like it's dead or anything. Yes, but, yes. I still use my PS4 yeah, <laughs> almost daily, on a daily basis. Daily. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I'll start with, with some features and it's it's sort of like not the most flashy or exciting thing. But one feature I've actually just recently been taking advantage of a lot is um, the cloud saves. Oh, the cloud save is great. It's, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. So um, since you know, we've kind of been in this quarantine. Um, I've been home a lot. Um, I, my school is, has been all online. And uh, right now I'm actually just on a break until early May. So I've got tons of extra free time. Um, my boyfriend, Matthias, he is working from home. Um, so he can do his job fully on home, but obviously, you know, no more offices. So I've been spending a lot of time staying at his place and quarantining there, but I have been back at my place uh, maybe like once or twice a twice a week, and it's fine. I live alone, so yeah, I don't just really, to pick up just to yeah, pick up clothes, and just stuff to like so, yeah, like, make, maybe do some laundry, like do a couple things around the house I need to do, feed my gecko, like just some housekeeping <laughs> stuff. Um, so I've kind of been back and forth a little bit, and I've been using the cloud save for Persona Five so that I can play at his place while he's working mm-hmm. and then play at my place if I'm home for a day and kind of go back yeah. and forth. And and it, it's just such a modern convenience. You don't have to lug your console. Yeah, around, and know? like I don't have the game physically, so I can't bring the disc with me. So it's it's such a useful and wonderful feature that like would be so disappointing to not be able to, to have the yeah. game on either Well, it's one of those things place. like we didn't know we wanted that until we could do it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's such, it's a feature you would never think about most of the time because you play at home at your own house, but to be able to to kind of to like have that, that yeah. convenience to swap back and forth is such a nice feature. Totally, and you know what? One another one that I think is really underrated as far as features is the the rest mode. The way that you can it'll update all the games you've been playing and system updates mm-hmm. and charge your controllers and everything while sleeping. Like that's really really cool. Yeah, and I think it saves you a lot of time when you turn the console on. You don't have to to wait for your game to update. It just it's just done for you. Yeah, and I think. I don't know if um, the Xbox has that feature, but I feel I'm sure like it, it must. I feel like it must, but like I find that the couple friends I have that have Xboxes are always talking about how long it takes to do anything. They're like, oh, the, every time I turn on my system to play a game, it has to do an update, and it takes forever. And maybe that's maybe that's anecdotal. Maybe yeah. that's just their experience. But I find I never have that problem with PlayStation. Like I'm mm-hmm. always pretty much ready to go. Like downloads are pretty fast for games. Like. Yeah, more convenient in that way, I think. So that's that's for sure. Um, the other one I like, and I've only recently just started using, which is surprising because I wish I'd known about it before, was the the PlayShare, which is where. So if I'm playing game at my house, mm-hmm. I can I can invite you to a party. You can join my party, and then you can basically see what I'm seeing. It's like I'm streaming the game right to you. And I and I've been playing um, Resident Evil Four uh, Two Remake, mm-hmm. which I I'm not too far in. I haven't talked about it yet. I'll mention it on another show coming up. But but it's been really cool. I've got a friend who's interested in playing with me, and because of the quarantine, she can't come over and watch. So she watched me play over the the PlayStation Share. We're just in the chat, and it's like we're playing together, but. Mm-hmm. But it, we're not really together, you know, and and I think that's a really really cool feature, and I think we're going to see more of that as we go forward with you know more advanced streaming and internet gets better and all of that. And I think that the fact that it's so seamless even right now on the PS4 is a great um, capability of the system. Yeah, those are really cool features, and like yeah, it's got all like the streaming to your Twitch and whatnot, like mm-hmm. things that I haven't really ever used or no. have a lot of familiarity with, but like. It's but just, a lot of people would get use out of that. Yeah, exactly. Those are great things to just be integrated and to be able to do them through the console itself instead of having to get like third-party software to, to kind of mitigate mm-hmm. some of those things. Is, yeah. Is, yeah, it's fantastic and very consumer-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the games? Obviously, you love Bloodborne, Persona 5, Spider-Man. You have, I don't know if you played Spider-Man. I haven't you played know? Spider-Man yet. I, this, is, this is where I, I start to feel really bad about myself. Because I, I have such a, a long list of, of some of these exclusives I really need to play. Well, yeah, but I mean, um, at the same time, there's so many. That there's so I many. I don't think a lot of people have played every single one. Anyway. Yes, I aspire to do so. But yeah, Bloodborne is is obviously the top one that comes to mind. Persona 5, I absolutely adored. Um, the biggest one on my list that I need to go back and play is God of War and Last mm-hmm, of Us. Mm-hmm. I haven't made my way into you'll, either you'll of those yet. Them. You'll get through. I've played all the God of Wars up to the new one, and I've absolutely enjoyed every single one of them. This one looks by 
a, a long shot significantly better. And um, my game of the year for the year it came out was uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, yeah. which um, is a phenomenal game as well. But just having looked at God of War gameplay and the limited knowledge so I have, I was very close at the Game Awards to voting for God of War, <laughs> even though I hadn't played it yet, because I can tell it's going to be it phenomenal. It already won without your vote. Don't even worry about yes. it. It's all good. <laughs> I think the, the interesting thing about this conversation is like, PlayStation has such a reputation for these high quality exclusive titles, but but what's... I think maybe overlooked a little bit more is is the quality of these indie games that have come out as well during this time. Like like we kind of said before, I think during the news segment, like indies really weren't as prevalent in terms of like the quality of games they could produce before this generation. Like maybe towards the end of last generation, PS3 and Xbox 360, they were, but but this generation is like a whole new game in terms of how good and and like high quality and and well received these indie games are like i mean just a few of the ones i like enter the gungeon is is fantastic like what Mm -hmm. a what a game like it's great bullet hell and like cool like it's more of a story than you'd even expect and i just spent hours playing that coach co-op and like guacamelee same Mm -hmm. thing just a really fun game rocket league all these kind of games that are from smaller studios that have come out of nowhere and have found so much success being on on ps4 and i guess xbox as well Whereas previously, I think a lot of these type of games were more like a PC type of type of experience. Yeah, it's great that this yeah, generation sort of integrated those more. Like when we were doing for the, the previous episode, our most anticipated games, um, my runner up to, to Elden Ring, which I chose, was actually Silk Song, um, oh, yeah. which is the Hollow Knight sequel. And that game is made by two people. Mm-hmm. and it, Which is ridiculous. It's incredibly impressive. It's a beautiful, wonderful game and it, it's it's up there on my probably top five best games i've ever played with all the triple a like 90 dollar mm-hmm. purchases but it's just absolutely incredible what what people can do given the chance mm-hmm. yeah i mean my interesting i don't know if you have any really funny memories of the ps4 but i'll tell you my favorite one is i bought i own the the base <laughs> ps4 which yeah. is the destiny bundle which is, I really wanted the white console. I don't really know. I have just an affinity for white consoles for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe not even white consoles. Maybe it's just I don't like to own the base version of something mm-hmm. as much as possible. I like something a bit more unique. But I, I kind of held off buying the PS4 at the start. There wasn't a whole lot of great launch games, I think, was something else was maybe a, a negative for the PS4. Yeah, I've got the list up here, and it's, it's sort of... Um... A little, a little lackluster. I know. Uh, um, Knack was. Knack, was, uh, Knack was there. Yeah. There was the they had Knack. Call of Duty. I think was they like the Call big of Duty. Thing. They had the the newer um, or the newest Assassin's Creed at that time, and uh, you know Skylanders. Which Assassin's Creed <laughs> was it at that time? It I, wasn't Black Flag, was it? It was Black Flag. Was Black yeah, Flag, it was yeah. Black Flag. Battlefield Four was a was a big yeah, launch, hard, yeah. and then recent, like you know, like after the first few months, it they got some new ones. The second Infamous came out. Yeah. Um, that was Infamous 2, or Infamous Second Son, right? It was Second probably Son. the first kind of major first-party game that actually was any good. I don't think a lot of people have fond memories of Knack. <laughs> I don't think many people played Knack. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they only did it launch, and there's nothing yeah. else to go. But. Well, it's funny looking back at this list, because there are a few games that I, I think of as launch titles that weren't launch titles. Like, I think of Until really? Dawn as being a launch title, and it came mm. out in 2015. Yeah, two years after. Which, like, a phenomenal, a great... Um, yeah. game that, that should be up there in, in the conversation with with the exclusives but like because all the the list was actually kind of lackluster i've, I've sort of compartmentalized in my brain that, oh yeah until dawn yeah, it was yeah, one yeah. of the first really big games yeah. that came out oh, fair enough um anyway my story is mm-hmm. is that i i purchased the destiny white ps4 the base model still the one i use today i never got a pro or a slim or anything like that but i I wanted this console and I, I didn't even really want Destiny. I just kind of had it. And like I, my goal one? was to was to trade get the console, trade Destiny to someone else. I got Shadow of Mordor, that Lord of the Rings game. Okay, yeah. I, it was okay. It was okay. Better than yeah. better than Destiny, not really my thing. But but the interesting part was is that I was in university at the time finishing up my degree. And when I when I bought the PS4, I was about, I think, a week and a half or two weeks away from completing my final exam like my final exam ever mm-hmm. before I got my credential and I I don't know how I did this but I had the willpower to leave my PS4 sealed sitting in my room by my <laughs> desk my and I and I did not I was like James you are not playing this until you finish your test and do a good job and 
and I don't know how I had the willpower, but I managed <laughs> to do it. And after finishing my test, I came home, opened my PS4, plugged in, and it's like this most rewarding, cathartic feeling to finally open this box, which I had sitting in my room for almost two weeks before wow. actually getting to play. I was That's very impressive. Impressed. Amazing, impressive. I know. <laughs> I know. It's really cool, but... but uh, yeah, looking back, like I mean, now PS Five, like I'm not doing that now. Like, <laughs> I'm getting it right away. <laughs> but uh, I mean, other than that, I just have a lot of memories of sitting around and and you know those couch co-op type games with your friends or meeting up online and playing stuff. Online play really became a big thing, and and more so than on PS Three, I think these days. And a lot of good memories in the social kind of aspect, I think, as well. Not just the single player games, which is more so what I'm interested in doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, PS4 is a great thing. Yeah. It's a great system, and I can't wait to see um, wait how to it's see. improved upon, iterated on. I'm interested to see how long it's going to last for too into the PS5 generation. Like they're, I think in the news before we had read that they're they're going to rely on PS4 to kind of bridge the gap if they can't get as many PS5s out. But I I wonder like how long they're going to support it for. Yeah, I would say probably a while. Um, the PS4 is is you know still got so many great games to play and. The other thing is I think a lot of people wait for like the pro version as yeah. well. Like I I bought my PS4 in 2016 when the pro came out. So I didn't have a, a base version until then. So I think a lot of people wait for that because they know that there will be an additional uh, version that comes out and they don't want to buy both. So they wait around for the pro. So they'll, they'll definitely um, wait till that. Because of the backwards compatibility, I say that they might support it for less time than they normally would Mm -hmm. because once you've made that upgrade it kind of will make your playstation 4 obsolete whereas going from from three to four didn't do that yeah yeah well it's interesting too because i mean the ps2 was supported for years and years after the ps3 came out and I wonder if it's going to be a similar setup with the PS4 coming going forward now, especially with like indie games being so prevalent. Like it's not like they require a ton of power to play a lot of those things, so they probably would work just the same on PS4 as PS5. So yeah. it's it's like you know likely that it's going to stick around for quite a number of years, That's at true. least two or three years after PS5 release. That's true. And even though the PS5 is is boasting some or boasting some really impressive statistics, and it's gonna you know be a stronger system and and definitely be an improvement on the PS4. With the generations as they go on now, it's kind of smaller margins of improvement. Like, you know, going from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 is a bigger jump mm-hmm. than 4 or 5 now because there's only so much. Yeah, it's, right? it's more like, like this generation, I think, will it will be an improvement, but I think it's going to be more like we have faster processors so we can stream things easier and loading times are shorter and, yeah. and draw distance can be rendered quicker and, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. They're 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 still improvements, but they're less like jumps. They're mm-hmm. they're just improvements. So to kind of keep those, it kind of makes that a sort of a different situation in terms yeah. of like mm-hmm. if you're going to be using both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the PS4. Mm-hmm. That was uh, God. What a system. So good. Yeah. So good. It's okay. It's not done yet. <laughs> we can That's enjoy right. it for a few more months still. Hey, and if you enjoy the PS4, let us know too. Get in touch. You know what I mean? Get yeah. on that Twitter. Let CN us know. What are your pod. favorite uh, PS4 games? Yeah, let us know. Uh, Anyway, that's going to do us for the show today. I think we've um, pretty much exhausted this. So like I said, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate everyone here that's uh, engaging with the show and enjoying our content. So um, anyway, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. And until then, stay safe and enjoy the PS4. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gratton of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show. 